You're all very welcome. It's uh, clear that the people can draw a crowd. Oh my goodness. Rentacrowd.com. You're all very welcome. It's good to have you. So, I'm delighted to welcome you all, the family and friends of Garth and Elizabeth Peoples. Do you feel welcome? Is it a little bit too much? We get very excited when there's new people, so we do apologize to the introverts that are present among us. Um, you're here to witness the dedication of the wonderful Cable Caleb Peoples. I was trying to figure out how many people are actually friends or just Instagram followers and have fallen in love with his serious cuteness. I normally defriend people who blow up my feed with babies, but I have to say this boy has my heart. So God does nothing without a witness, and you're here to witness to this occasion, to what you'll see, hear, and experience. I want to give you a brief explanation as to what we're doing when we're dedicating. This is not a christening ceremony. We're not naming him, and it's not, it's neither is it a baptism. We believe that baptism is a sign that you already are a believer, and it's testifying this fact to the world by being baptized, that you belong to Jesus, that you have his spirit in you, and it's therefore something that you personally decide and declare, and something that is not chosen for you. So today we're dedicating him to God. Gareth and Elizabeth love Jesus very much, don't you? And the right answer is, of course we do. Um, God has given them Caleb, and they publicly want to dedicate him to God, that one day Caleb will choose Jesus for himself. So would you two, I didn't expect you to be so far at the back, but would you three like to come up and join me at the front? Andrew, would you come as well? After uh, we dedicate Caleb, we're going to do something that I don't know whether you've experienced or not before. Um, Biblically, it's sound, and it's a common practice, and it's a healthy and good practice, and I hope that it's something that you enjoy as well. So after we've dedicated Caleb, Andrew and myself are going to prophesy over him. I want to give you a simple explanation as to what prophesying is. It is, in its simplicity, communicating the heart, mind, and will of God in the present tense to an individual, to a, a couple, or to a body. 1 Corinthians 14.1, Paul says to us, earnestly pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. Now, you may be part of a church that doesn't do that, and that's completely fine. Here we do. 1 Corinthians 14.3 then says that the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So the effect of this should be good. And we're going to all ask you at the end as to whether you think it's good or not. And if you do, please vocally respond. We'd appreciate that. So we're going to do that after we've dedicated this wonderful little boy who looks unconscious, though slightly concerning that his dad is a pharmacist and that could be an induced coma. Can I ask you all to stand? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we uh, recognize your presence among us. We recognize it by the peace, by the ease, by the flow by the excitement and the joy that's present in this room. And we ask that you would be present with us now as we go about dedicating this wonderful little boy. So Lord, we dedicate Caleb George Peoples so that he will one day come to know you in his own personal salvation experience. And we ask that you equip Gareth and Elizabeth to teach, train, and model the life of Christ that this child will want to be saved one day. We thank you for him, and now in the front of these witnesses, we dedicate him to you now in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Now I get to hold this boy. You're a regular? Oh my goodness. You and I have met before, haven't we? We've got on quite well.
I remember when I could hold my two like this. <laughs> well, Boyo, shall we start? Holy Spirit, we recognize again, we just want to acknowledge that you're here. Just like any person, we uh, want to speak to you, and we ask that by your Spirit that we would get a glimpse into who this boy is, to what this boy, when he grows into a man, can and will do. And we ask that you would help his parents, and you would help him to choose what you've chosen for him. So, I prophesy about this boy that he is indeed God's man of the peoples. <laughs> that he's got some favor about him, just like his mommy and his daddy. And that this boy will not have to lambast people with Jesus Christ, but he'll just have to be around them. That this boy has a melting effect of the presence of Jesus Christ. We so often think that Jesus wants to break into our world and somehow tell us all the things we don't want to do. Instead, he just wants to put his arm around us and say, it's all right. So I prophesy that you, Mr. Caleb Peoples, will be a man who will melt others with the presence of God within you. Caleb, you are a child of promise, and you're going to be known as someone who is big, big in stature, a big man, and a man in every sense of the word, and uh, big into love, and big into fun. Uh, You're going to be after what's happening now, and in the moment, you're going to be attracted uh, by anything that has got life to it. And so to Gareth and Elizabeth, I would encourage you to uh, guard him from the lure and attraction of the world because he's going to be going after anything that wants to uh, attract him. Uh, He is going to be a gatherer of people, uh, both to himself. He's going to be a charismatic, fun-filled, energetic uh, boy, teenager, young man. And he's also, as he comes to know and love Jesus Christ, gather people to his name, to relationship with Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's all about, with authenticity, with joy, with life, and with fun. And this boy will become a man who'll look you in the eye. He'll not apologize for himself, and he'll not apologize for the Jesus Christ that he loves. So we'll pray for him. God, we ask that this boy would know the very best of things. And when life gets tough, that he would know that you love him and that he's got such a support around him. I ask that he will never apologize for himself, that he will let others feel the weight of who he is, and he will enjoy being killed peoples. He will enjoy his family, and he will take the inheritance that comes from his mom and his dad, and he will bless them by choosing you. And we ask that you would be with Gareth and Elizabeth. And we thank you for them. And we want to honor them today. We want to honor them for the story that I'm going to talk about today, about how this boy came about. And we thank you for them. And we thank you for this family. We ask that you would do everything to protect them and that they would know that they're always safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Is that good, everybody? Are we all right with that? Thank you. Thank you. Please feel free to take your seats. Okay. So, I've just been off for, this is the first time you've maybe met me, but I'm, you're going to get a bit of insight into my life. I've just been off on holidays for two weeks, and it's been wonderful. I ate far too many croissants in France. Built far too much Lego. You know the score. 
But I'm refreshed and relaxed, and it's good to be back among us all. I want to say thank you to Andrew, who took the wheel while I was away. Um, I listened to him. I've never heard one man use the word hashtag so much in all my life, particularly because he's in his 50s, but, you know, down with the kids and all that. And also over the past two Saturdays, I've had the joy and pleasure of marrying uh, two of the couples in our church, which has been wonderful. So recently when the documents came through that said that I was okay to officially marry people, I said to my two children, I have an eight-year-old daughter who's called Anna and a little boy who's called uh, Isaac and he's six. And they were sitting at the breakfast table and I said to them, Daddy can marry people now? And Isaac went, I thought you loved mommy. And I went, no son, no, it's kids, it's all right. Uh, So it's been just wonderful to be part of their uh, ceremonies. Um, Aaron and Ruth got married and it was great and yesterday Stuart and Helen and the two of them were just shining so that was, that was wonderful. What delighted me both about them was that they have a real testimony um, and they've both uh, are all been really and are being restored which is just great and it's profound to be involved in uh, the fruit of their freedom. So let their testimony, I know you don't really know me for most of you and I don't know you don't really know us as a church and you don't know these people that I'm talking about that we married yesterday. But let the the fruit of the transformation that they've experienced prophesy to you what's possible. Wherever you are, if you start a relationship with God or whether you start to really invest or whether you re-engage with him again, he's able to do a heck of a lot more than we ever imagined. And a lot of the stuff that's uh, died in our lives or we're disappointed about, actually when we go to him, he has this amazing way of pulling it all back around and restoring what's been lost in greater quantity and greater quality than it existed before. It all changes when we step into him and we choose what he's already chosen for us, just like we were speaking to Caleb. Okay, so you stepped in on this message series, if you could pop that up in the PowerPoint, called Faithful, and this is week number six. So uh, I'll, I'll promise I'll try not to be too long, although I'll try my best, but we'll see. If you start nodding off, we'll just get loud all of a sudden. Or get one of the guys to poke you and wake you up again. We want to be a people who are full of faith. And we want to be a people who are faithful. And in this message series, we're exploring what it means uh, to live by faith. What it's not. How we live our lives. And how we live full of it. It's a season. We want to do everything in step with what God's doing. If we do that, then it'll be successful. Might not look quite the way we thought it would look. But in the end, it'll bear good fruit and last a long time. So we believe this is the season to understand the growth and application of faith. So Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So this is about growing faithfulness. So being full of faith, Hebrews 11.1, faith is a confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives the assurance about things that we cannot see. So it's confidence, it's support, and the Greek word, which is pistis, means to be persuaded or come to trust and faith. So when we talk about having faith about something, what the Greek word actually means is that we're fully persuaded by it. We're not talking name it and claim it. This isn't, I'm going to ask Jesus to make me be a millionaire, and I believe it, and therefore it's going to happen. We're talking about something that God initiates. And I'm going to tell you a story, which hopefully you'll connect with, and uh, you'll go, oh, that's just incredible. This is about being fully persuaded and convinced by God. Faith is always a gift from God and never something that can be produced by people. In short, the word pistis, 
faith for the believer is God's divine persuasion. So it's letting yourself be fully persuaded. And the word full, well, it's a measurement, means containing or holding as much or as many as possible, having no empty space, not lacking or omitting anything that's complete. And Colin's, de- me being Colin, definition is fully persuaded by God. Now, Andrew spoke the last couple of weeks about God's faithfulness in the storm. If we choose to believe him over yielding to our fears and our own understanding, we all know that whenever it's lightning, it's wonderful, and the birds are singing, it's like a Cadbury's bunny ad, everything's wonderful and perfect, and you hear something, you believe something, oh, it's going to happen, it's going to be great. But then whenever the storms come, when it gets very dark, we start to doubt in the darkness what we've heard in the light. So we really need to get to know this Jesus that we're traveling with. And we want to build a boat that's made out of individual planks of faith where we've been fully convinced and persuaded by that his grace is enough, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, in the storm of demands. You ever say, I'm just overwhelmed. It's just so much. I mean, I have two children and I have a job and also I'm a pastor and life gets busy and sometimes you just look at a set of flip-flops that the kids have left on the floor and it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. <laughs> I can't cope anymore. No, am I on my own with that? We all get a little bit overwhelmed. All of the women are like, totally am. The men are like, I don't know about that. I'll just get on with things. So we get overwhelmed in those storms. Well, his grace is enough. Sounds easy, doesn't it? But you don't know what goes on for me. No, I don't. But I do know that God's good and his grace is enough. In the storms that destroy what's close to you and what you love, God works all things together for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So when it all hits the fan and the stuff that you were hoping for and it looked like it was going to happen and it's all taken away, rather than going, why would you do this to me? We can go, okay, you're good, we've settled that. And actually you're going to bring about something in better quantity and quality than we've ever experienced. And then in storms that are threatening fear, certainly been there. And when you're just terrified, really, really, really scared, yeah? Well, in those places, God says that he doesn't give us a spirit of fear. So what is that? We can say, no, I'm not yielding to you. I don't have to be afraid. Second Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Andrew urges to look at the wrong thinking that we have, particularly unbelief, unholy fear. And then last week was about keeping faithful, that this whole journey of going after Jesus isn't a sprint, nor is it a marathon um, or an Ironman. It's a lifestyle and it's a lifelong pursuit. That keeping faithful is all about keeping relationship and keeping faithful is a fight, a fight with ourselves at times, a fight with the world and a fight with the evil one. And 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of faith. And we'll put to you that a good fight's one you don't lose. So if we're told that we can do this, we can do this. If you don't feel like you can do it, and that feeling of I'm just, I just can't do this, I'm not able to do it, well, maybe why don't you just not believe that and start to believe that maybe you can? What if your emotions are profoundly affected by the choices that you make? And maybe your emotions and your thoughts plus feeling don't actually equal reality. What if reality is based on you believe what God says about you and maybe your emotions that are inherently rebellious might start to change their mind and might start to go on a different journey that serves you an awful lot better. So today's message is about faith among us. 
And I asked Garth and Elizabeth's permission if I could share this story. And I don't know how many of you have heard this, but it's, it's wonderful and it's really encouraging, certainly to me. So Andrew talked a little bit about this last week. So for most of you that you weren't here, so I'm going to just go over it again. So um, they'd come as uh, couples who are newly married, had come to the conclusion that they would like to begin to think about starting a family. Um, and it's very exciting. And they started that journey. Um, and like a lot of us had the experience that it wasn't happening right away. Now, I had a year where I got the glimpse into the real pain of what it means where every month comes around and there's no child. And uh, I think that was very difficult, like it is for every couple. I said that many people experience this because many do, but what I don't want you to do with this, and as I was prepping this, I thought this was really important. So if this speaks to you, please take it on board. Don't let the experience that because it's many, somehow it diminishes the pain that you experienced. Now, chances are, now we don't believe in chance, nor do we believe in coincidence. But what I want to say to you today is that if you've experienced pain like that, whether it's of childlessness, of losing a child, or never having a child, um, don't sweep that away. Don't sweep away the pain that you may have had or you may be experiencing. Or just because I've spoken these words, it's actually brought a lot of that stuff to the surface. Part of me's sorry and part of me's not. Don't believe that you're somehow selfish because you're hurting, that you won't serve anybody well by not, not recognizing your own pain and struggle. Everybody's got to mourn. And if that's been your experience, I'm really sorry. It's not pleasant and it's not fun. In Jeremiah 31, 13 to 14, God says, I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I'll feast the soul of the priest with abundance and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. So if you're in pain, that's all right. Unfortunately for us, it's only in the middle of our mourning that we get to experience the joy. So if that's something that you've experienced or swept away, please don't do that. But I would encourage you, there's going to be opportunity for ministry at the end just for some healing about those experiences. We've each of us got to receive God's love and comfort as we mourn for what's been lost or what we've never had, whilst also allowing him to convince us, persuade us, have faith that there's always hope. Loss is a reality, isn't it? We've all lost people, we've lost things, we've never had things. But let me tell you about a greater reality. And that greater reality is the presence of God. He comes into the reality when we're brave enough to face up to it. We're not talking about some pie in the sky when you die. We're talking about this real God who really knows what's happening in our lives and really wants to meet us there. So we've got to live in both those places. And Bill Johnson, who's the senior pastor in Bethel, said, any area of our lives that doesn't have hope is under the influence of a lie. So please, there's hope present here. If you've experienced any of this, come and join us at the front at the end. But I want to go back to Gareth and Elizabeth's story. So they were uh, trying for a child, and that wasn't happening, and obviously that's very difficult. Um, and uh, some time had gone by, and at one point then, Andrew got in touch with me and said, um, I was having a, a, a one-on-one just meeting up with Elizabeth and um, just chatting through about different things and um, it came up about the fact that they'd, they'd been trying for a child and that hadn't happened. Please forgive me, Elizabeth and Gareth, if I get any of the details of this wrong. Okay, you can correct me at the end. 
But at one, Gar, Andrew said, so he's telling me this story and I'm listening and sometimes you're thinking, what's coming at the end of this? It's like, what's this person going to say? As a pastor, I've developed this new shock face. It's good, isn't it? Whereas if somebody says something to you and you go, oh, you did what? They go, I'm never talking to you ever again. So I've learned to go, okay, okay, it's all right. So Andrew said to me, so Elizabeth's telling me that it's going to be all right because she's had this dream. And I thought, what's going to be all right? It's going to be all right that they're going to have a child um, because she's had a dream. And we're going, when it comes to prophesying, we want to do that safely and properly. And we don't go anywhere near hatching, babies being born, matching, people getting married, and dispatching, people dying. Not good, all right? Never works out well. It's like dates. You say to somebody, your life's going to change in six months. It's either God or you're going to just ushered them into disappointment. And I don't want to be responsible for that. But there are those moments when God decides to not respond to our protocols, step across those lines, and we go, oh God, oh God, oh God. So in my inbox and my emails came this email. And Andrew said to me, I want you to consider as to whether you think this really is God or not. I thought, right, okay. And inside I'm going, I'm a pastor. I deal with the other side of disappointment. I don't want to be the source of somebody's disappointment because to all intents and purposes, I represent him. And therefore, if I get this wrong, I'm going to skew what you think about him because in my stupidity, I got it wrong. So I got the dream, read through the dream, and I was undoubtedly convinced that that dream was from God and that dream was telling Elizabeth and Gareth that they were going to have a baby. So what did we do? Did we go, well, we'll see if it's the will of the Lord. God willing. No, God's already revealed that. So I grabbed my big boy pants out of that cupboard that you never want to go to, pulled on my big boy pants, said to Andrew, I think this dream's from God. And Andrew said, so do I. And we said, okay, well, we need to stand with them in that. So one Sunday, just after church, very quietly, we just slipped off and appropriately into the kingdom tots room. And we stood there and we said, as your leaders, we believe that this dream is from God. We believe that he's communicating that he's going to give you a child. And we want to agree with that. And we want to say to you that that's right, that that's on, that that's God. And we're going to pray for you. Did we get it wrong? That was a rhetorical question. <laughs> Everybody's actually dead inside. It's like the orange ad where they're playing a movie in the back of their heads. Did we get it wrong? Why did we not get it wrong? Well, why are you here? Is that encouraging at all? You stand staring at me like, I don't know where this goes. What's this about? So fast forward a couple of months, and we're standing uh, having coffee and buns and stuff at the end. And Elizabeth casually in conversation, like you go, it's a bit of a windy day out there, says, yeah, I'm pregnant. I went, sorry, sorry, what? What did you just say? Because I've been carrying this. We haven't talked to anybody about this. I don't go home and say, Claire, where do you hear what just happened? Where do you hear what this person did? I lock it away and I don't talk about it because I want to be a safe place for people. So she says that. Everybody's going, Yay! and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I didn't pull on the big boy pants for no reason at all. So I'm so honored and delighted that they did that, that they honored us as their leaders. And they said, what do you think? And because they said, what do you think? We went to God and we operated in the office that we have as leaders and said, we believe that this is on and we did not get it wrong. Caleb Peoples is here. So God does do that. Here he is and here we are. 
Little Caleb, a child of promise. He looks huge over there as Elizabeth holds him, going, how long, much longer can I hold him for? The child of promise has become a reality, and he is here among us. We didn't get it wrong. It was God, and the interpretation was correct. What God said he would do, he did. Gareth and Elizabeth were very much involved in the process. Why were they involved in the process? Well, they were involved in the process because they believed God. They were fully persuaded. They were fully convinced by God that it was God. They submitted it to us, who then had the opportunity to be fully convinced and fully persuaded. And then we provided the covering, security, and authority the leadership brings to bring about the realization of their God-given promise. Our actions are always involved in the fulfillment of the promises that God makes to us. We so often stand and go, well, maybe one day God will do that for me and God's not speaking to me. And have you ever thought that God's maybe like the security light? You know when you go out the back door and all of a sudden, ah, it's like Saul on the road to Damascus. I don't know what God sent. We'll do something. Don't want to do something. Why don't you want to do something? Because I'm scared. Well, that's a whole other issue. We have to participate with him in whatever he wants to do with us. God will tell you the most wonderful things about what could happen in your life. And they are all true if you choose to believe him and if you choose to partner with him. Our actions are key and we will only act with faith when we're convinced and we're persuaded. Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and an assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And if you want to read on in Hebrews 11, it's by faith, by faith. And there's about 20 of them about what was accomplished by those who were fully persuaded by God. So today we're talking about faith among us. And I want to talk a little bit about the promised land. So how many of you know the story of the Israelites and their journey through the wilderness to the promised land? Even a vague recollection from Sunday school, yeah? So who were the two that survived throughout all of those years to actually walk into the promised land. I'll give you a, a little hint. One of them you're here for today because he was dedicated. It was Caleb. Who was the other one? Joshua. Who are the two babies that are born in Destination Church Belfast first? Joshua and Caleb. Now, Gareth often thinks that I should slip that three grand into his bank account for choosing that name. And Nathan and Diane are still waiting. We had nothing to do with it at all, I promise you. But unless you're... Talk about looking for the wood. Or look, you know, looking for the, I can't even get the analogy. You know what I'm talking about. What's the wood missing the trees? That one. That one there. When things are hidden in plain sight. We have Joshua and Caleb among us. They are both children of promise. And here we are in our little church of destination, Church Belfast. And I don't think it's too big a step to step into. Maybe he's just promising to us that we could possibly take the promised land. Caleb is the fulfillment of a promise. Who was Caleb? Numbers 13.6 says he was from the tribe of Judah, Caleb's son of Jephunneh. Now Judah was the tribe that means praise. He was a child of worship. He inherited worship, and when we worship, we can only really do it when we see God for who he is. He was one of the 12 spies that was sent in to explore the promised land, and he brought a faithful report. 
Numbers 13.30, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses because the rest of them had brought a horrific uh, story back, which was, this land is absolutely amazing, but there's no way we're going to do it because those guys are like eight foot tall, they're huge and we're going to die. The land had been promised to them by God. The other spies spied out the land, came back with a subjective assessment based on their own ability. Caleb, I would put to you, he spied out the promised land like it was a trailer for a movie. It whetted his appetite for what was to come. And I'd put it to you that he was fully convinced before he went that God had promised them the land. Before Caleb came, Gareth and Elizabeth, at that point, after you'd had the dream and we agreed with it, were you fully convinced? Was it scary to be fully convinced? But were you fully convinced? Yeah, I was too. And the fruit of it is, we stand here with Caleb. Now, the promise that they had about Caleb is a promise for us. If you miss this today, you've missed the whole thing. Caleb being here and your presence here is an indication to you that if you think about God at all, that he is as good as his word. Now that takes a bit of courage to lay hold of that. That's going to cost you something to lay hold of that. That might mean that you've got to let go of something else to be able to lay hold of what he has for you. Or it might mean that you just let him start to love you. And maybe that's the scariest thing of all. You could maybe tell me, maybe you wouldn't, let's leave it there, that you're going to tell me how wonderful I am. But when it comes to you and I start telling you how wonderful you are, you might go, no, 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 stop, stop, stop that. Why is that? Because you think you're a wretch. You don't think you're worth anything. And you really, everybody else is better than you. Everybody else gets the good stuff, but not you. Well, I'm here today to tell you that you are sincerely, deeply, personally, intimately, specifically known and loved by God. And until you square that one away, you can't tell anybody else as to what his love is actually like. Can I get you guys to uh, come up, band members? Caleb believed God because he knew God, because he believed the God that was promising to them that it was their land and they could do it no matter what was standing in their way. Numbers 14, 21 to 24. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who dis- disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. And let me read on from Joshua fourteen six to 15. Caleb was promised, you're here because he's being dedicated. Now let me read this. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Canaanite, oh, those names, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from there to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. Did we not just prophesy about this boy who might melt hearts for love? I, however, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. 
Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time that this was said to, by, me, by Moses to me. While Israelite moved about in the wilderness, so here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hell country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there, that their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kazanite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Then the land had rest from war. The signs of the promise are among us. And the spirit of Caleb and the Holy Spirit, I'm going to say to us as a church and to you, wherever you are, you can surely do it. If you put your hand into the hand of Jesus Christ, that thing that melts you with fear will melt away with love. There are giants in the land, but we can do it. Why? Because it's promised. The fulfillment of Gareth and Elizabeth's promise prophesies God's promise to us that we can live in the promised land of his kingdom here on earth. And is that not what we've prayed as little kids? On earth as it is in heaven. We can surely do it. Will you stand with me? So when there's a message, we always call you to respond. And we give a number of questions to help you to respond. But I always say, if you can't answer yes to any of the questions, don't let that stop you. We won't turn you away and give you a tick list and send you back. So do you want to begin a relationship with Jesus today? Or rekindle the passion for him you once had? Or as I was speaking about the loss of children or not having children, did that strike a chord with you and are you still hurting from that? Or are you here and struggling with unbelief? Just want to believe it. Maybe don't even want to believe it, but it's just, I don't, I don't get this. Or do you want to embrace the promise of God to us as a church? If you can answer yes to any of these things, or you just want some ministry, please come and join us now.